Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The Chris and Amy Show, sponsored by Summer at SLU. Find your kids' best summer yet at St. Louis University. Time to rewind. It's the Chris and Amy Rewind Recap. Hey, it's the Chris and Amy Show, final hour before Dave Glover, and this is the hour where we will give away tickets for Billy Joel and Sting at Bush Stadium September 27th. Need to be listening for your chance to win, which is not right this second. So I think we are the most generous station we are. because I don't think All Glover week. gives away tickets. All week. I don't think Matt Pauley gives away tickets. No, he does not. I think if you want to win free stuff. You have to listen 10 to 1, this show, yeah. every day. Because we gave away, uh, oh my gosh, the Cardinals theme packs, the different Five game packs. We gave yes. away winter warm up tickets. Winter warm up tickets. Now we're giving away Billy Joel and Sting. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than it's that. Like, I bet this is how Mother Teresa felt. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about her. I don't know about her. Yeah, there's a lot of questionable. Uh, really? Oh, yeah. You ever read about Mother Teresa? No, are you joking? Oh, like a charlatan. No. Yes. You're joking. No. Are read you, about yes no seriously read about her. There are a lot of she has a lot of of critics. A lot. I thought you were saying no because we weren't as good as she is. You're saying we're oh, better. Oh, I think we're better than her. Oh my gosh. Yep. Okay, listen, Sorry. folks. Three one four four three six seventy nine hundred. This is not my fault. I no. was making a good normal comment. Chris Ranji. Mother Teresa. Not no, great. Stop. <laughs> Sorry. Should have been better. Okay, I don't. Uh, I actually don't know about that. I didn't know. Yeah. About this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just uh, read about her. Hey. So uh, we Yikes. gave away, or we're gonna give away those Billy Joel and Sting tickets later. But here's a thing that you need to know about. Coming up January 18th at Tapawingo Golf Club. Listen to this. You get a a delicious meal. Mm-hmm. You get a, some cocktails. Yep. You get a conversation with. Oliver Marmel, the Cardinals manager. It is an intimate affair. It is the Oliver Marmel Unplugged, January 18th at Tapawingo Golf Club. 75 bucks a person, but that includes the dinner and the drinks, and you get to ask questions of Ollie. And uh, Tom Ackerman is going to be there as well. There'll be a little uh, Q&A session, and then you get a chance to talk with him. KMOX.com slash events. Again, it is coming up very, very soon. In fact, 10 days from now at Tapawingo Golf Club. Do you think in a lot of news stories, press releases, or even texts that autocorrect changes Ollie to oil a lot? Oil normal? Did it happen for you or something? Well, I just feel like it would. (laughs) I don't know, Amy. I don't know. So, uh, tonight... At 6 o'clock yeah. on King's Highway. Oh, that's not the, what I thought you were going to say. No, 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 no. I'm moving on now. I thought you were going to talk about the football game. At the 
Which football game? Isn't there a national championship football game? Oh, we'll get to that in a second. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Urban League of Metro St. Louis, there will be a public safety town hall from 6 until 7.30 tonight. Uh, Again, it is on Kings Highway. And Megan Green, the president of the Board of Aldermen, will be there. Really, we want to make sure that the public understands that public safety is a coordinated effort between city government and community organizations. And I think that's why we've been really intentional to make sure that we have both at the table um, so that the public also comes away with an understanding of who is responsible for what. You know, what's the role of the the Board of Aldermen in the public safety process versus the chief versus community organizations, um, and then answering those um, burning questions that the public has. We spoke to Megan Green on the show in the 10 o'clock hour. Police Chief Robert Tracy is going to be there. Public Safety um, uh, Director Charles Coyle is going to be there. Uh, Gabe Gore, the circuit attorney, will be in attendance. That's all happening tonight. be really interesting to see what they have to say. Because we had the numbers that they reported last week, or the mm-hmm. St. Louis police did, about homicides being down and some of the other violent crimes being down um, in the year 2023. Yeah, and Megan Green has had sometimes a contentious relationship with businesses in the city of St. Louis. Uh, there was the Schnooks and Tower Grove uh, that... Their South St. Louis store near Tower Grove Park that was dealing with vagrancy and crime and theft and public urination. And they were paying $500,000 a year for security. And Megan Green wanted them to pay more into a community fund. Um, Also, we talked about the severe shortage of police. The city of St. Louis down over 200 officers. Megan Green brought up that a lot of officers are promoted off the street. Is it white shirts? Is that what you're called when you're when you move up to the management ranks? Yeah, something like that. I guess I don't know if they call them that, but a lot of times they wear white shirts. Yes, I think that's what it is. Okay. Uh, and so how that is an issue as well. I think that's a valid argument, probably from from what I've heard, but it doesn't detract or deter from the fact that at times the St. Louis City police officers are so thin, they're so short that. A few months ago in September, District 3 had two officers assigned for an entire shift. Those officers called in six, so there were no police officers in District 3. That feels too thin. That, that, her, that I find it hard to believe that that is uh, sufficient. Her argument was that we have more police per capita than most other cities in the country, but that it was top-heavy. What she called it was top-heavy. And I don't know the numbers on this for myself, but I asked her, are you saying that there are too many people in management slash administrative type roles as opposed to police officers on the streets? Her answer was yes. That's that's what Megan Green said. So if that's the case, if that is actually true, I would say, well, that's probably an issue. Maybe the resources should be directed somewhere else. Right. Um, this is a thing that I was very excited about. Very excited to talk to Juliet Rothenberg with Google. Uh, she is the climate AI product manager and part of Project Greenlight. So what we do is we analyze the driving trends at the intersection so we can develop a model of each intersection and then we can understand how that intersection relates to intersections around it. And one of the biggest opportunities that we've seen is when intersections are adjacent to each other but they're running out of sync. So you go from one traffic light that's green smack into another traffic light that's red, 
when we could say, hey, let's coordinate these traffic lights together so that you're able to go through both simultaneously instead of having to do one after the other. That's a big area of opportunity that we've seen. So Project Greenlight, the point is to reduce wait times when it doesn't make sense. So you're, you're up at a stoplight and it's red for no reason. There's no cross traffic. Or you can at least, you know, limit that a little bit. And the emissions, the, uh, you know, your vehicle's emissions, it should help with that too. Because every second that you're sitting at a stoplight, your engine is running. And if you multiply that by the how many thousands or millions of traffic lights there are in the world, then, you know, you're talking about a lot of emissions that are going into the atmosphere. So all of that could help. And I said, she's got to come down to, they have to do this at Spruce and 14th, which is one of the worst intersections in the city because it is red for like an hour and there's never any cross traffic. So stuff like that, which driving and traffic and traffic lights can be so frustrating. It's something that's been a complaint for people in the city of St. Louis for a long time. Just the timing of the lights, it gets incredibly frustrating, especially when there is very little traffic. Uh, Something else that I think will have those in the St. Louis area frustrated is that for the first time ever, an NFL playoff game will be exclusively on a streaming network. The Chiefs-Dolphins game, that's a rematch of the Week 9 You did say playoff game, right? Yep. Yep. Week 9 game at Kansas City won. Uh, their first playoff game, it's a wild card game, is next weekend, or this upcoming weekend, I should say. Saturday. First time ever an NFL playoff game will be exclusively on a streaming network, Peacock, which I think is the one streaming network that we don't have. Now, we keep having to buy all of these streaming yeah. networks in order to get one program, one show, one uh, game. I think we got Apple. I mean, I love uh, STL City SC, but we had to get Apple. To watch that. The whole idea behind cutting the cord to save money, that's gone. It's gone. That was that was a thing ten years ago. That is no longer a thing because it is more expensive to sign up for all the platforms mm-hmm. than it was just to have cable in the first place. So yes, in order to watch the Chiefs, if you're in St. Louis or anywhere else in the country, with the exception of the Kansas City market, you have to have Peacock in order to watch an NFL playoff game. That's unbelievable. And I know that's the direction a lot of these leagues want to go. There's been the talk about ESPN becoming strictly a streaming service and not being on a cable platform. I don't know, man. Maybe 20 years from now, it won't feel like it's all that odd. But right now, it feels complicated. It feels like it's it's overwhelming. And I don't mean like I can't figure it out, but just overwhelming in in the amount of money you got to pay for this stuff. I mean, how many streaming services can you possibly have? Is it because the NFL said, listen, we're not hurting for viewership. We're not hurting for fans. What are we going to lose? So we make some fans mad. They're not going to stop watching. No, they'll sign up for it. They might sign up for the free trial or whatever and watch the the game. And that'll be it. They'll get the win. You can't do that. Tyler, is that what you're saying? They can't do that? I, I can't. So the NFL will get the windfall from, I guess, there's a, win, a financial windfall for this, for airing the game exclusively on Peacock. Who knows what Peacock paid? And people will be mad, but they're not going to abandon the NFL because of it. Tell you where it's free. Right here on KMOX. We will have the game for you Saturday night. Very nice. So uh, good luck to the Chiefs. That'll be a lot of fun. Anything you missed on the show today, it's on the Odyssey app. That is a free streaming service. Free, baby. You can download it. You can listen to this show live. You can listen. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. To Cardinals baseball live on your phone or on your tablet. It's awesome. Absolutely. Go back and get the podcast as well. Anything you missed on the show, it is all there available for you. A-U-D-A-C-Y. We've got more coming up. It is Amy Marks Cores and Chris Ranji. This is KMOX. Amy Marks Cores and Chris Ranji on KMOX. We still have the Billy Joel and Sting tickets we'll give away this yeah. hour. Um, you know how I said I watched the entire Golden Globes, which uh-huh. I never do. I also, uh, this is what happens if you eat something and then become very ill for about 36 hours as you spend a lot of time on the couch and in the bathroom, let's be honest. But if you're on the couch, you're on the couch. And so I caught the morning, all of the Sunday morning news shows. I mean, I was, I was on it. Watched Hancock and Kelly oh, nice. on channel two, our friends with Andy oh, they Baker. Look good. They looked great. Good. Those guys, they're winners. But I also watched Face the Nation with Kristen Welker and Representative Elise Stefanik was on Face the Nation. I think it was about a 17-minute interview. And to be completely honest, I was a bit horrified by some of Stefanik's answers, not just using the buzzwords and the catchphrases like the um, corrupt Biden family and Biden corruption and witch hunt, but Kristen Welker asked her point blank about her being willing to even potentially certify the 2024 election. Would you vote to certify and will you vote to certify the results of the 2024 election, no matter what they show? Well, I voted not to certify the state of Pennsylvania because, as we saw in Pennsylvania and other states across the country, that there was unconstitutional acts circumventing the state legislature and unilaterally changing election law. What about 2024? What about 2024? We will see if this is a legal and valid election. What we're seeing so far is that Democrats are so desperate, they're trying to remove President Trump from the ballot. That is a suppression of the American people. And the Supreme Court is taking that case up in February. That should be a nine to zero to allow President Trump to uh, appear on the ballot because that's the American people's decision to make this November. And the matter is, of course, halted pending that appeal, as you say. But just to be very clear, I don't hear you committed to certifying the election results. Will you only commit to certify the results? If, if they're president constitutional, Trump wins, if they, does that mean the former president Trump No, wins? it means if they are constitutional. What we saw in 2020 was unconstitutional circumventing of the of the Constitution, not going through state legislatures when it comes to changing election law. And we're seeing this in my home state of New York, Kristen. We are seeing Democrats try to steal the election and illegally gerrymander congressional districts that we fairly won and are fair aligned. So I see this at a very local level, as well as the unconstitutional overreach we saw at the national level w- in 2020. So it's election of interference only when you lose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean... But I don't think, does Elise Stefanik understand that when you talk about democracy and the pillars of democracy, I don't care who you are, Republican or a Democrat or an independent or a socialist. The only way that our country continues to move forward is trust in the integrity of elections. And if you are throwing doubts into the integrity of our elections for personal political gain— uh, that's 
as scummy and low as it goes because you are doing real damage. You are driving people to believe that we live in some type of autocracy or totalitarian corrupt society like like Russia where they don't even have real elections and our elections are a farce. And so then you get people storming the Capitol. Like it's such a dangerous game to play. It, oh, except except if your guy wins, then they're fair. Like to, for her to not see the double standard is unbelievable. Well, Elise Stefan. Okay, let's put this to bed. Elise Stefanik is not stupid. She went to Harvard. Right. She's not a dummy. She's not. She knows exactly what she's doing, and all she's doing is using the exact same sort of language that uh, former President Trump used when he was asked, "If you lose this election, will you concede?" And he said, "Well, let's see what happens." And we say, "Let's see what happens." Well, it's it's convenient to say you only lose if the other side cheats. There's right. no way you can lose. There's no way That's, you can lose. That is so anti-democratic that I can't believe anybody stands for that or. People don't see through that nonsense. That I can't believe it. Can say that the Democrats are incapable and they're dunces, and yet think that somehow they were able to pull off the largest, most complicated conspiracy in history to rig an election when states run their own elections. Republican states, Republican even. states with Republican governors and secretaries of state, and somehow they are able to rig the entire thing. The mass coordination and secrecy of such an endeavor uh no you can't say have it both ways that well democrats could never do it and yet they also pulling off the largest conspiracy uh ever known to man and then when i talk about words mattering and we can play a small portion of this elise stefanik has adopted trump's language of calling those who were convicted of violence in the January 6th uh, storming of the Capitol, who are spending time in jail for their actions, including harming police officers, breaking the Capitol building, destroying it, defecating on the walls. Uh, This is what she calls them. Do you still think it was a tragic day? Do you think that the people who stormed the Capitol should be held responsible to the full extent of the law? I have concerns about the treatment of January 6th hostages. Uh She calls them hostages. Now, Let's be clear. Elise Stefanik, after January 6th, in the immediate hours after January 6th, said that she condemned the violence on January 6th, and she said that all of those who stormed the Capitol should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Those were her words. Kristen Welker played that back to her and said, do you still feel that way? And Elise Stefanik said, well, just like NBC and the biased news media, you only pulled part of my speech. I still believe that the election has been rigged. And she totally not only accused NBC of being biased by playing a clip that was very unequivocal, but she didn't then go on to answer the question. She didn't answer the question and is now calling them hostages. Yeah. First of all, those people are not hostages. And they're and, they're and, and, in at a time when we've got real hostages real being hostages held by Hamas, yeah. being raped and tortured, how dare you, Elise Stefanik, call these people who broke into the Capitol building and saw due process and are spending time in jail, how dare you call them hostages? Over 700 people have pled guilty, which means, and and look, I, I'm not so naive to think that every single person in every single crime, every single case who pleads guilty is actually guilty. But when you have over 700 of them, there's a lot of smoke there. So, and and you've got close to 500 in jail right now because they did something wrong. They did. So, if, they committed crimes. And if you don't think what they did was wrong, then are you telling me if that was a Black Lives Matter protest breaking the windows of the building that you wouldn't want those people arrested? I feel like she would. It's Chris and Amy on KMOX. Matt Pauly's coming up next. Kittredge 
who, when you go back to prior to his Tommy John, was you know one of the more elite relievers in the game. So, you know, certainly uh, trying to get him on the upswing, and uh, um, hopefully uh, he can eat some important innings for us in the bullpen. Today's Cardinals report is brought to you by Renner Garage Door, R-E-N-N-E-R, forward and back, family-owned and top-rated, RennerDoorSTL.com. We are going to the Quiver River Electric guest line today. Let's bring in our guy, Matt Pauley. We just heard from uh, John Mosaloc, president of baseball operations for the Cardinals, and now we talk to Matt Pauley, host of Sports Open Line, and our uh, Countdown to Opening Day show, which happens on Thursday evenings. Matt Pauley, what's up? Not much. How are you guys? Hey, great. Your thoughts on the acquisition the Cardinals made? I really like it. Um, you, you took a guy that you basically got for nothing from Cleveland. You were able to spend one good month from him into a guy who's got a really solid track record. I guess the only question mark on him is the fact that uh, he is coming off Tommy John surgery, but he appeared in 14 games and pitched pretty well at the end of the season last year, so that's a that's another good step forward for him. There's a lot, you know, most guys come back from Tommy John surgery just fine, especially once you uh, get into that first normal offseason. So his last full season before Tommy John was 2021. He was an all-star. He strikes guys out. He's got a great out pitch. Uh, I really, really really like this move for the Cardinals. Andrew Kittridge is the guy we're talking about who is a right-handed reliever. How how does he fit in the bullpen uh, with this particular mix? Yeah, I think right now you're looking at him Personally, I, I probably have more confidence in him than everybody except for Ryan Helsley, and Helsley is a guy who uh, isn't always available. So uh, this probably has a lot to do with what Giovanni Gallegos looks like is, is when he gets into um, – uh, when he comes to camp, and you know he he had a pretty solid track record before this past season. So if he returns to form, he's probably got the eighth inning and, and some version of Kittredge or JoJo Romero or probably your seventh inning guy. But he clearly makes the bullpen better, and I think he's a guy that you can trust in high leverage situations. So this is um, this is a move here to address the bullpen. We all assumed they were going to do something before spring, spring training happened, which is uh, next month. I mean, we're about, what, a little over a month away from from pitchers and catchers reporting. So we're getting very, very close to it. Do you see them doing something else before we get there? Yeah, I, I guess the question is, something of significance, right? Like they're going to they're they're going to add players, they're going to bring, you know, players in on minor league contracts with invite to spring training with an opportunity to make the team, but are they going to bring in another player who's a, a surefire bet to make the team? And I, I really don't have an answer to that question at this point because I'd like them to. I, I feel like there's still work to do. I think uh, they could still add to the bullpen. That would make me more comfortable. They could still add to the top of the rotation if something happens. You know, every time Ken Rosenthal talks about Dylan Cease, he mentions the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't expect that to happen, but man, if it did happen, uh, that would be that'd be great. And if there's some of these teams that have a big time need for a starting pitcher right now that are in the market for 
Cease and, and the White Sox continue to kind of futz around and all of a sudden these guys, these other teams focus on something else, whether it's other free agents or you know other trades or, or free agents, maybe all of a sudden uh, the Cardinals are the last team standing still talking about Cease and something happens. I don't know. That, that would really make the team a lot better. You'd love to insert him along with Sonny Gray at the top of the rotation, but it's just it's I think they're probably fairly comfortable, if we're being very honest about things. I think they're probably fairly comfortable with where the roster is at right now. Well, let's dream a little bit. Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers also are listed as possible suitors for him. It, all the work they've done in the offseason with the rotation, I mean, you add that guy to mix, now we're talking. Like, I mean, we are, I think you've really put yourself in very good position if you add C's to the mix. Yeah, I keep saying over and over that it feels like there's there's a very large gap between the top teams in the National League and where the Cardinals are at. That doesn't mean that the Car- uh, this version of the Cardinals, especially if the Cubs don't do anything more, this version of the Cardinals absolutely could win the NL Central. But are they going to go beat the Dodgers, the Braves, the Phillies? Uh, you know, we, we, we can do the, you know, anything can happen in the postseason sort of thing, but if you're just basing it off, off the talent and the roster, it feels like there's a gap between the Cardinals and those teams that I just mentioned. Is there, um, as you look at the offseason, forget about just the Cardinals, or you can include them in the mix, I guess. Um, but I'm not talking specifically about them. We've had the Otani deal happen. Yamamoto going to the Dodgers. They just also get uh, Teoscar Hernandez. Also, the, you know, that that yeah. happened over the weekend, too. So they're really loading up. But aside from what the Dodgers did, is this about the amount of movement you expected during this offseason? I thought it was going to be a little bit more, and then I started to hedge that bet when, you know, right at the beginning of the offseason, we're hearing from the Twins and the Padres and, and even the Mets to a certain extent that they're looking to reduce payroll. And you listen to what teams say, and, and they kind of speak for all of baseball, and there's always going to be an outlier here and an outlier there. But for the most part, it, it feels like Major League Baseball teams kind of work in concert on whether or not it's going to be a very aggressive offseason or whether it's going to kind of be a slow offseason. So based off what happened last year in the offseason, when they were that was their first offseason post-collective bargaining agreement, I thought that was kind of setting the tone for what movement and what spending was going to look like moving forward. Then we get to this offseason. It hasn't really happened that way. Some of it is connected to the uncertainty when it comes to uh, regional sports networks, and we've certainly talked about that a lot. And um, But yeah, I've been a little bit... I have been surprised based off what my uh, thought was going to, was going into the offseason, but I'm not really surprised after I started to hear what some of the teams were saying out loud. Um, the Cardinals uh, countdown to opening day show six to eight on Thursday. Yeah, you're, you're, you've still yes. got it this week. Okay, um, so that is coming up. Always want to promote that. That is happening. We will talk to you again on Thursday, but wanted to mention that that um, until we get to the season, it is the or until we get to opening day. Yeah, uh, countdown to opening day, six to eight o'clock, right here on KMOX with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne and a bunch of guests. It's a it's a very good show to to whet your Cardinals appetite. But let's let's shift the football here. The Chiefs know who I, they I, are. Can going I before you oh, say yeah, anything? Yeah, sure. You were just having a complete meltdown on Twitter yesterday. Oh my gosh! Oh, isn't about the Bears. Oh. That's I. That's the only reason I turned on the Bears game is I start watching Ronji's Twitter feed, 
and it's it's an it's emotional. I was losing it yesterday. You were you were absolutely, absolutely losing you're, it. You're calling the at NFL officiating Twitter Every account, time. which is just some social Every media time. intern. You're calling them names on yeah. Twitter. Come yeah. on, Ronge, be I, better. I I, t- I tell them too. I said, listen, I know that you are, and I said this to them last week. There there is an NFL officiating official Twitter account. And last week I said, listen, I know that you are just the social media person, but if you could please pass along to somebody who matters over there that your people suck, I need you to do it. Because they're you did letting... not put that disclaimer on yesterday. Not yesterday. I'm over that. <laughs> but I did every single time anybody <laughs> tweeted about Justin Fields taking headshots and no penalty being called, I tagged them in it. I know it's going to have effect. It's going to work. Have they, uh, have they blocked you? No, I kind of want them to. Because the like the Major League Baseball uh, umpires union or umpires association, they block people all the time. Do have they? You, do they block? Have they you? blocked yes. you? They've not blocked me, but uh, they. If Losers. you are very outspoken about the performance of umpires and you tag them, you get blocked. Look, absolute losers. These people, these officials are losers. There's a there's a young guy out there mm-hmm. who's fighting for his life. He's constantly taking headshots. He slides to give himself up like quarterbacks are supposed to, and then you're not supposed to go and run into them full force. It happens every single week, and every single week they don't throw a flag. I mentioned this earlier, Matt Pauley, and I'll ask you the question. I bet you know the answer. Do you know how many times a personal foul has been called for Justin Fields this year? I don't. I, I mean, it's obviously a very small number. I, I want to say num- zero, but I feel like there's no way smaller. that's a thing. It is zero. Zero, oh. even though he's taking a hit a game that is clearly late. Are you more upset by the officiating, or are you more upset about the uh, apoplexy of Eberflus? Both. Starts with the officiating. So here's the other thing, Matt Pauley. You got this doofus. Matt Eberflus, their head coach, who doesn't protect his guy. You know what you're supposed to do when... Your quarterback, the most important guy on the field for you. You know what you're supposed to do when go crazy on the officials. Yes. Yeah. Wear yeah. Like I'm a, them I'm, man. Out. I am. I am such a big believer in uh, coaches, managers. Man, your your players. Your your players need yes. to believe that you've got their back 100 percent of the time. You as a leader, you got to be the guy to say, "This isn't your fight. This is my fight. Let me take care of this." Yes. Um. That's you know that Oliver Marmel gets thrown out of a lot of games, and I have no problem with it because you know what he's doing? He's he, he's backing up his players. Yep. And so no, I I'm I'm with you 100 percent on that one. As a coach, as a manager, anything, take that burden off the players, and you as a leader, go, go after the officials when you need to. And also, I do believe in the element in all these sports. I believe in the element of working the officials. I don't think it matters a ton. I don't think that each umpire, each official, each referee is worried about getting yelled at by the coaches. But I do think it seeps in a little bit. Where they they at least become aware to look for certain things and then more inclined to make those calls. So I do believe in managers and coaches working the officials. Yeah, if if you go up to an official, referee, an umpire, whatever and you say, this is happening over and over and over again, please look out for this, 
there is a very good chance that the next time, or even as the play is happening, at, at that point the coach could be like, look what I just told you, this is going on right now. So yeah, making officials aware of what you're seeing that they're not calling is a very important part of, of, of all sports. Well, Eberflus is asleep on the sideline, dope. Somebody wake him up. He's asleep. Hope hey, he's fired today. Matt, who do you have? Tonight, either the Washington Huskies or the Michigan Wolverines, because one of them is going to have their first loss. Yeah, I think Michigan wins. Everybody's picking Washington. Like Michigan's favored by I think five and a half. So, uh, you know, but that sector of the world is is picking Michigan. But I keep talking to people who, you know, are bringing up the fact that Washington wins all these close games and they just kind of find a way to get it done. Yada yada yada. Maybe I've got an anti-Pac-12 bias. I don't know, uh, but I just think Michigan's the better team. Yeah, I can't. Dis- I think I want Michigan to lose just because I have a couple of friends who are Michigan fans, and I want nothing good for them. So, oh, huh. you're such a good friend, Ron. Yeah, I'm Mr. Positivity over here. Yeah, this guy. I'm up this for an guy. award. You Did know? you? When do you find out if you won? I don't know. I Couldn't hope you, you win because I want you to have to go to another work event, hopefully <laughs> on a Friday evening. Hope you have to go too. So- so the, it's funny that you do that because with me, and I'm not trying to say that I'm a better person than you, even though I might be. Um, when Slow down, when I went to school at mm-hmm. K-State, all my best friends were from Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And I wanted them to have good things in life because they were my friends. So at that point, I kind of started re- rooting for teams like the Royals and the Chiefs and things like that, as long as they weren't going against the teams that I really cared for. Mm-hmm. But if it was sort of an indifferent situation, I found myself rooting for Kansas City teams just because my closest friends were fans of those teams and I wanted good things for mm-hmm. them. So that's the Matt Pauley approach where the Chris Ronji approach is, yeah, my friends want Michigan to win, so screw them. I hope they lose. Well, that's because your friends, Matt Pauly, aren't buttholes. <laughs> That's true. And when you, when you, you have bad when you have things friends, from me. Oh, well, yeah, you're kind of a butthole, too. No. <laughs> but when, when your friends, when your friends are constantly in your face about their teams, obviously you want but those teams if, to lose. What if they're nice? Because I don't like the Cincinnati Reds or the Columbus Blue Jackets, and even if Mason Jar owned the teams, I don't think I could root for them. And Mason Jar's See? a great guy, obviously. Again, my my premise is it's when there's not a, a like if my best friend become is a Cubs fan, I'm not gonna start rooting for the Cubs. Like there's okay. if my best friend's a KU fan, I'm not gonna start rooting for KU. It has to be you know kind of this from this position of neutrality. I didn't really care about the Chiefs or the Royals or teams like that prior to having a lot of friends from Kansas City. A text message uh, says I'm a lifelong Packers fan. Oh, see where this is gonna go. Sure, it's going to be brilliant. Let me continue. The -hmm. reason no penalty was called is because it was a legal hit, quit whining. He was giving himself up. You can't hit the quarterback if he's sliding to give himself up. Those are the people that I spent six and a half years talking to when I was living in Wisconsin. That is the whole reason the slide exists, is that if you give yourself up, they can't hit you. Packers fans. I have a cheesehead. These Packers fans who mm-hmm. are probably from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Their brains are just ice. Well, it's Their cold. brains are ice. It's cold up there. Well, think about it. It's constantly thawing and refreezing. There's and a lot of Packers and... fans here. Like, if you walk into it, 
I think Costco like represents life sometimes. And if you walk into a Costco like 20 minutes after a Packers game ends, like a quarter of the people there are wearing Packers stuff. It was the weirdest. The first time we experienced that after we came here, it was the weirdest thing because we're at a Costco and it felt like we were living in Wisconsin again because everybody's wearing Packers. Same thing with the Chiefs. If you walk into a Costco a half hour after a Chiefs game ends, half the people are wearing Chiefs stuff. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Test well, it. Anyway, you can, you can test that theory. Go hey, to your local Chiefs. The Chiefs are playing uh, on Saturday evening. The game will right be here. Be here on KMOX. You can listen to it. It is the uh, first playoff game for them. So, and for all the people who don't have Peacock, that's your way to listen to it. Right here, it's for free. Yeah, Matt Pauley, talk to you Thursday. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. That is our sports fellow, Matt Pauley. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.